The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Top of the day to everyone in the injured senior, elderly, and aging population. This is Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and it is a pleasure to be with you again for a brand new edition of the Injured Senior Podcast. The Injured Senior Podcast is a show dedicated to addressing legal and medical issues of vital importance to the injured senior community and their loved ones, children, and caregivers. I am your host, and I am so glad to be here. We are sponsored by the National Injured Senior Law Center, the legal advocates for seniors who are the victims of negligence due to others. You can learn more at Injured Senior Hotline. So I was surfing the internet, as my children like to say, and I came upon an informative website, the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths. You can actually get to that website at www.hospitalinfection.org. So one of the articles on the site was the 15 steps to take to reduce your risk of getting a hospital infection. So we've talked about hospital infections on this podcast, and it is definitely a serious significant problem, uh, especially in the injured senior, elderly, and aging population communities. According to a study done by the National Institute of Health, the risk of developing a healthcare-associated infection increases with age. So, individuals age 65 to 74 have a 10.6% prevalence rate for uh, a hospital-acquired infection. Uh, individuals in age group 75 to 84 have an 11.27%, actually that should be 11.27% rate getting a hospital-acquired infection. And patients over age 85 have an 11.5% uh, hospital-acquired infection prevalence rate. So the older you get, the larger your chances are of getting a hospital-acquired infection if you go into a healthcare uh, facility. Now, the largest proportion of infections in under 60, age 65 group is surgical site infections. Uh, for elderly patients, it's uh, urinary tract infections and C. diff uh, that are most seen um, with uh, elderly patients. So the idea here, my friends, is not to get an infection. 
if you're required to stay in the hospital. According to the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths, here are 14 ways to reduce your chance of a hospital infection. Number one, ask that hospital staff clean their hands before treating you and ask visitors to do the same. Folks, this is the single most important step to take to protect yourself in a hospital. And just remember, nobody else other maybe than a close family member who even in this time, you know, as we're speaking, COVID-19 is still upon us. They're not even going to be allowed to come into the hospital. So you're on your own. And the single most important step to take is to make sure that hospital personnel, including doctors and visitors, wash their hands. If you're concerned, you might be viewed as being too pushy or too aggressive. Just remember, it's just your life that's at stake. So, you know, the, the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths uh, is very adamant about this step to take, and it's the most important. Number two, before your doctor uses a stethoscope, ask that the diaphragm and that's the flat surface that they, you know, put on your chest or whatever to, uh, to, you know, to monitor your heart rate or whatever. Make sure that that flat surface is wiped with alcohol. Now, stethoscopes are frequently contaminated with bacteria. And you know how busy hospitals are. They forget to do a lot of things. And one of those things is to wipe their stethoscopes with alcohol. And that's usually, you know, they go from patient to patient. And a lot of times they're hurried and they just, you know, it's not like they're doing it intentionally, but still it happens. And if they get the bacteria off their stethoscopes, uh, then your chances of an infection are reduced. Number three, and this is another important one. If you are required to have a central line catheter, ask your doctor about the benefits of a central line catheter that is antibiotic impregnated or silver chlorhexidine coated to reduce infection. For those of you who don't know, and honestly, I didn't know, Chlorhexidine is a mouthwash that reduces bacteria in the mouth. And by the way, we're going to have another episode just on the effects of oral care in reducing your chance of getting a sepsis and, and other infections. But that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. Number four, if you need surgery, choose a doctor with a low infection rate. The doctors know their infection rate. Don't be hesitant to ask. They might say, well, it's great. You know, be persistent. Make sure that you find out what their infection rate is. Um, and uh, again, you don't need to worry about appearing too pushy. This is your life that's at stake. And again, hospital infection rates are very high. So you want to want to make sure that you're not in that classification. Uh, number five, three to five days before your surgery, shower or bathe daily 
with chlorhexidine soap. You can get it without a prescription. Uh, it removes dangerous bacteria. And again, folks, this is all courtesy of the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths. This is their list, and I am just giving you uh, this list because I'm just very, um, well, I think we're very lucky to be able to have something like this, to have some knowledge before we go into the hospital or any other type of health-associated facility. It's kind of like, uh, I'm not a big car person, uh, and when I go to the mechanic and I, I basically rely on what that mechanic tells me is wrong with my car. Because if I look under my hood, I have no clue as to what anything is. I mean, I'm very, you know, I should, I, I blame my parents for not making me take any type of auto mechanics course, because again, I am totally ignorant of anything regarding cars. So just, again, that's just for your edification. But I think it's the same thing when you go into the hospital. You know, we um, depend on the expertise of uh, our doctors and the personnel at the hospitals, but they don't always get it right. And it's a very uh, frantic uh, environment. So I just believe that uh, we, we need to have this information. Number six, ask your doctor to have you tested for MRSA. Uh, that's methicillin-resistant uh, staphylococcus, staphylococcus aureus. Say that 10 times. Uh, and have that done at least one week before you come into the hospital. And, and by the way, uh, it, all you need to do is just get a, uh, a nasal swab. So it's not a big procedure. If you've got MRSA, extra precautions can be taken to protect you from infection. Number seven, stop smoking long before you have surgery. Oh, God, don't get me started on the smoking, you know, my smoking rant. My wife's been smoking for 30 years, and she keeps telling me she's going to quit. You know, that nicotine, it gets, it gets in you, and it's really hard to get, you know, to stop. So if you refuse to stop smoking long before you have your surgery, just remember Smokers are three times more likely to get a surgical site infection as non-smokers. Smokers have, or they endure slower recoveries and they have to stay in the hospital longer. So you need to stop smoking way before you have surgery. Number eight, on the day of surgery, remind your doctor you may need an antibiotic one hour before the first incision. This is actually the standard of care for many types of surgeries, but it's often overlooked. Uh, and we've talked about standard of care. If you uh, go back uh, to a recent episode where we talked about the standard of care for the medical profession, this standard of care means that this is what's required in the profession. It's the standard. It's, it's what they have to do. So if they don't do it, that could, be, that could have uh, very bad effects uh, on your health, including getting an infection. So make sure that it's done. Number nine, ask your doctor to keep you warm during surgery. Again, this is nothing that I ever would have thought about. 
I've actually had several surgeries and I just remember going into the operating room and the operating room was very cold. So, and that is really what you're going to experience if you have a surgery is the, the probability is that the operating room is going to be, you know, it's going to be nippy. So, for a lot of surgeries, patients who are kept warm resist infections better. So, you probably can't get them to turn the temperature up in the operating room, but you can ask them for special blankets, for hats and booties, even warmed IV liquids. So, just be aware that staying warm during surgery lowers your risk of infection rate. Number 10, do not shave the surgical site. And again, I didn't even, I myself during surgery, they shaved the surgical site. And I did not know that razors can cause small nicks in the skin and the bacteria can get, can get into those nicks, causing an infection. So if necessary, tell the nurse or whoever is intending to shave your surgical site, ask her to use clippers as, as opposed to razor, okay? Number 11, avoid touching your hands to your mouth and do not set food or utensils uh, on furniture or bed sheets. A C. diff, we talked about C. diff, it's a bad infection. It actually survives for days on surfaces and can cause infection if it gets into your mouth. So when the really nice lady or gentleman that comes in with your dinner, you make sure that they do not put your utensils, again, on your bed or on any furniture. And actually, I've seen in a hospital settings where they actually have their utensils prepackaged. So if they put it down on your on on furniture, that's fine. But when you open it up to get out your fork and your knife, make sure that it does not go on the bed sheets or furniture. Put it on the plate. All right. Number 12. Ask your doctor to monitor your glucose level. And the other term for that would be sugar levels, okay? And ask them to monitor it continuously during and after your surgery, especially if you're having cardiac surgery. The bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is sugar levels spike during surgery. They can be erratic. When tightly controlled, heart patients resist infections better. So if they can keep your sugar levels balanced and at a tight level, during surgery, your chances of getting an infection are much, much uh, more reduced than if, you, if they don't. So that's something that you can make sure that they do, uh, or at least request that they do it. Hopefully, they will do it. Number 13, avoid a urinary tract catheter if possible. Now, this is a common cause of infections. And a lot of times they give you a urinary uh, catheter, not because you necessarily need it, but because they want to save time and they don't want to have to walk you to the bathroom. The problem is that this is a common cause of infections and you need to insist that you 
do not get a catheter and that, you know, they're just going to have to suck it up and take you to the bathroom. Now, if a catheter is required uh, or if it's necessary and, and, you know, they tell you that they absolutely have to have it in, request that it be removed as soon as possible. So as soon as they can get it out, you want to get it out. Number 14, if you must have an IV, make sure it's inserted and removed under clean conditions and it's changed every three to four days. Uh, a person who is treating you, who's putting in the IV, needs to be wearing gloves. Alert hospital staff if any redness appears. So when you get the IV and the person's wearing gloves, but still there's redness, that could be an indication of uh, an infection. So you want to alert the hospital staff as soon as possible. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but I found this really helpful. And this is almost like a checklist that you should bring in to the hospital or to your doctor if you're going to have surgery or if you're going to need to go into the hospital. You can write this stuff down if you want, but it's a lot easier if you go to InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and you can get the actual notes or the transcript from uh, this episode, and that will have the 14 steps or tips to reduce your chances of getting a hospital infection. So I strongly recommend that you do that. So, Injured Senior Community, if you love the Injured Senior Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or your favorite platform for getting podcasts. If you want to share your story on an upcoming show, such as a hospital infection that you acquired, uh, or if you have any suggestions or comments about the show, please email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. Uh, you know, you can also go on our website, injuredseniorpodcast.com, and leave a message, and we will get back to you right away. Either way, I answer all emails or messages right away. So I don't let them sit. Send me an email, leave a message on our website, and I'll get back to you ASAP. Until next time, thanks for being my guest today. I hope that this podcast was helpful and informative. I am looking forward to speaking with you next week. Stay safe, be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.